If you're a health junkie or a true crime fan, you have definitely been following the recent case of Gabby Petito. Gabby was a YouTuber. She loved health and nutrition, worked at his juice bar, was a nutritionist, traveled the U.S., and seems to be more than likely a victim of domestic violence. Today, we are discussing the early warning signs of domestic violence with expert Connie Rose. All the nutrition information out there today, everything's conflicting, completely confusing. How are we supposed to be healthy if even the experts can't agree? This is Outspoken Nutrition. I'm your host, Laura Timbrook, and we're going to break it all down. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I am a huge true crime fan. Most of my podcasts are all true crime, and I have been following the case of Gabby Petito from the very beginning, and the thing that gets me is I felt a connection with her because she was in the health world. She loved RVing. She loved being outside. So there was a lot of similarities in our hobbies, the things that we love. And it struck me hard when we start learning she was more than likely the victim of domestic violence. And it made me think, as we're talking about relationships this month, do we know the warning signs, the early warning signs of domestic violence? Would you know if you're in a relationship where domestic violence is happening? What are those early warning signs? So I invited human trafficking and domestic violence expert Connie Rose to come onto the podcast to talk to us about the early warning signs of domestic violence. Now, you might be thinking, this is a health and wellness podcast. What does this have to do with domestic violence? Well, we've learned this entire month on how important building healthy relationships are to our overall health. And we can't continue having this conversation if we're not addressing domestic violence. Domestic violence will greatly affect our health. It's going to affect our stress levels, which will directly affect our blood sugar, our blood pressure. It increases our risk of cardiovascular issues. So not building good quality relationships will affect our health. And the same thing goes for domestic violence. It is good for our physical health, our mental health, and our overall longevity. So I wanted to talk to you about those early warning signs of domestic violence and what you should do if you need help. Well, Connie, thank you so much for joining us on the Outspoken Nutrition Podcast today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you to kind of raise awareness for our listeners you know, I know before we got talking here, I was telling you I'm a big true crime fan and I've been following the case of Gabby Petito. And the thing that really struck me when I was listening to one of the podcasts her mom was on and, you know, the mom said, I really trusted him to protect her. And it just, it kind of got punched me in a moment because I have daughters at dating ages and I don't know if I would know the warning signs. So I wanted to have you come on and talk to us about some of these early warning signs of domestic violence. Um, and, and thank you, Laura, for having me on today. I'm very excited um, and honored to be able to have this conversation um, with the folks that listen to your podcast. And I want to break it down. So we're going to talk about warning signs and we're going to talk about some general signs that you don't typically see. And then because of Gabby's age, I think it might be imperative that we bring in some of the warning signs for teens 
um, right afterwards. And so some of the warning signs, so I like to talk about what we call red flags. And, you know, so a lot of times you can like Google it, right? Like Google, what are the red flag signs of domestic violence? Um, and they're all pretty classic, you know, what we look for bruises and, uh, you know, cuts and bruises and cover-ups and um, no interaction with individuals and isolation and those kinds of things. And yes, yes, those are warning, great warning signs to look for. However, what about um, people that don't fit into that mold? There are more individuals that do not fit into the mold that what we look for, that the red flags that we are given in so many different uh, crimes against human beings. And so it's uh, kind of following with Gabby in a sense, right? He's just too good to be true. When uh, you encounter someone and they just go on and look, not to take away from awesome, incredible relationships. I have one, right? So not to take away from that. But the truth of the matter is when someone goes on and on about, I just met this person and how incredible they are. And they want to take care of me and, and my family and, and make sure that we have food on the table and our rent is paid. And, you know, those kinds of things like step back, you know, step, listen to the, to your friend or your family member, you know, but uh, set, step back because here's why a lot of times that is starting the control and power. It's about, there's a vulnerability that is there. There's several reasons why there's this vulnerability and this other individual is coming in and seeing it and right away is the savior. So that that's one right there. Um, the other one is jealousy, accusations, jealousy. I'll give you a per perfect example. Let's say um, there's a young mom, okay? So we'll create a story. There's a young mom and uh, she's going back to school. She has, she has, you know, a young family. She's single. She made a decision uh, to go back to school. She had been, you know, in a relationship before. Obviously, she has children and um, in some sort of relationship. And she comes home to her new boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the situation might be, a significant intimate partner. We're just going to go with intimate partner for diversity um, reasons and inclusion. And uh, comes home and shares with her partner, you know, it was so great in class today. And the professor, you know, put us in groups. And, you know, in the group that I ended up with, you know, it's really crazy. But for some reason, I ended up with a group that it's mostly guys. And the intimate partner becomes violent, starts accusing, ah, oh, mostly guys, that you asked your professor to do that, that you set that all up. Oh, and I bet you when I tried to text you and you didn't answer, so what, did you go off with one of them? What were you doing with them? See how, and that is, that happens. And that is a true scenario with a domestic violence uh, survivor uh, that we worked with. So there's that. So the acts or accusations of flirting, you know, you know, just simply, you know, we, we, uh, we all want a connection. And so even with our mask on, right, it's about making eye contact with someone. It's about smiling behind that mask, right? Well, you can see it, the facial expressions through the eyes, through the gateway to the soul. So you flirted. 
I saw you. I saw you looking at the sales clerk over there helping us. And you know what the scary thing of that is, is I can see if you're in an early part of a relationship where it's like, oh, they really care about me. They're, they're jealous. They're, mm -hmm. yeah, I could see how that could be really dangerous. Right. Just something so simple or your children, you know, so you are in this in, uh, relationship and maybe it's a long-term relationship. And uh, let's say you have some high school students, right? And one of them, you know, the coach, the coach pulls you over to say, you know, your son is doing phenomenal, you know, in this sport. And is there any way at all that they could come for a little bit extra practice? Um, and she says, yeah, but I'm going to have to bring them and like whatever comes home, all excited. And then, so what did you do to make that happen? So did you flirt? Did you do something with that coach so that uh, this happens for our child? Oh, wow. So the other is, is some classic. So cover up of injuries, right? Um, so a in victimology, you know, a victim will do everything so that the outside world does not know. So one of them is just trying to get makeup. And there are different ways you can Google it, how to cover up scars and, you know, um, using bright red lipstick, you know, using that first under your foundation will help to, to really reduce what um, bruising looks like, right? So there are some different ways to be able to do that. So covering up the outsized physical injuries, right? It's also about what's that change in a personality. So if you see someone that, that you know, someone that you've interacted with, and um, they used to be an extrovert, and now they're an introvert, or vice versa, you know, what's going on there? They used to like go out with you even just for lunch at work and now total isolation. No, no, it's okay. You know, I'm trying to save money. And uh, so I'm just going to eat at my desk, not taking breaks, maybe used to take breaks so that there's this, there's a significant shift, but you also have to look for the little shift. Okay. You also have to look for, not that I want you to be detectives, right? But look for what's not being said. So in other words, someone is sharing an experience with you or just telling you a story, whatever it might be, and they're trying, giving you a little insight of their life, right? Oh, no, everything is really great. Yeah, you can tell something has happened. Um, the kids and I are, are fine. Watch for the body language. Watch for facial expressions. Pay attention to possibly words that are not being said because there's a lot within the silence and there's a lot in within you know, within that, you know, I like that you mentioned the whole, it's fine. You know, I know even from a health coaching perspective, anytime my client says it's fine, I know there's a but right. after right. that, like it's fine, but I miss ice yeah. cream, <laughs> like right. something like right. that. And I like that you said that look for what's not being yeah. said. And then also, you know, with that is piggybacking on what you just said, Laura, is when um, someone says, well, it is what it is. Or what am I supposed to do about that? You know, so there are phrases that, you know, maybe typically you would just, you know, uh, brush it off, but it is what it is. And you're looking and you're like, something is not right here. Okay. Um, another one that I'd like to uh, talk about is totally about avoiding conflict. Now, look, a lot of us avoid conflict. I don't like conflict, right? But a lot of us that avoid conflict is because there has been a lot of conflict in our lives. There's, you know, there's possibly been some kind of violence in, in our lives, you know, growing up. Um, 
you know, there, there maybe have been some other abusive type of relationships. So a lot of us avoid conflict. Okay. So it's not just that within itself, but it's uh, within it at all costs, like at all costs, where it's very detrimental to them because, you know, conflict is educational. You and I can have a conversation about something and not agree and say, we agree to disagree but we learn something like that. But if you are victims within victimology of domestic violence, if you are a victim, you're going to avoid conflict at all costs, which even means that if someone starts to verbally abuse you, financially abuse you, economically abuse you, physically abuses you, mentally abuses you, you're going to take it all and just be quiet. So there's that. So while we're talking about that, I do want to jump over to, and I... Let's talk for a moment about what it is for teen violence, right? And so teen violence, you know, some of the signs to look for in teen violence, not that much different than for adults, you know, but we know that, you know, teens, you know, the cortex hasn't quite developed yet, you know, so the whole processing is a little bit different, you know, but, but our teens are looking for the same things that are adults. They're looking for a connection. They're looking for someone to love them and take care of them. You know, but what we have seen with um, teen dating violence, and we call it also intimate partner violence, is that, again, there has been some kind of vulnerabilities that have happened within this youth's life, you know, so whether it's domestic violence within their family, there's any kind of sexual violence, any kind of addictions, you know, maybe there's a family member that has gone to jail or has some kind of, you know, mental health concerns, right? So it can create that. And so with teen dating violence, you know, you want to look again for this control and power, right? So then it goes to, was that teen an introvert or extrovert before? Did they go out with their friends and do things? Were they an independent person before they got into this relationship? Are they now being kept in isolation? No longer being able to go out with their friends, no longer being able to participate in school activities. And a really warning sign is what about the school activities that possibly leads to a scholarship and we'll take that teen away from the relationship. Total sabotage. That That's a shocking one because I can definitely see where you're going with it. But yeah, I wouldn't have thought of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it can happen. So I also wanted you to understand that we are not just talking about females, right? We have to be very, very gender neutral. And we have to have an understanding that this is happening to men, women, children, our LGBTQ community. You know, um, it's it, the rise in our transgender um, community is unbelievable what is happening. And so just to both understand that it, this can happen, domestic violence can happen just about to, to anyone, right? To anyone. But here's the other thing, you know, teens, when we talk about teens, teens are invisible. Teens have this attitude, you know, I'm a teenager, nothing, what's going to happen to me? I'm young, like I can go do anything, nothing can happen to me, right? Um, the other part about that, Laura, is that teens typically will not go to anyone and tell. Really? More so than adults, they will not go. Mm -hmm. They will typically keep it very, very silent. They don't want anyone to know the shame and blame and guilt 
that they carry is so much more significant than what an adult, because here's why. If this team came from a family of domestic violence, then they're like, I saw it. I should know better. I should be able to stand up for myself. And especially if their parent that was the victim fought for them, got them out, you know, started her life or his life over again. And then they find themselves in a situation. What's wrong with me? I learned, I saw my mom, my dad get out. I saw what they went through. I saw what they did to make sure that me and my siblings are safe. And now I fell into this. So they're not going to come forward. That's shocking. I would have thought teens were more likely to be open on it. And I like the fact that you addressed, you know, this is not just a female issue, that it's an everything issue. Because I think so long we have been kind of under this idea that certain things are male or female related issues. But I know even from my work as a health coach, I have seen a lot of males have disordered eating that they wouldn't have talked about. So I like the idea that you're opening this up and saying, hey, this is an everybody issue. Well, because Laura, for the work that I do, it's really important um, for folks to understand you know, that it is not just one gender. It is not just one social economics. It is not just those people on the other side of the tracks. That is not it. It it can happen to anyone in any race, religion, social economics. It, It happens to, you know, you're a human being. Yeah. And it sounds like as parents, you know, if we're if we're concerned about our kids, you know, my kids, like I said, are dating age. Like, what are the things that I can look out for? And I like that you said, watch their changes. You know, if something about their behavior is changing, if their personalities are changing, you know, keeping, keeping a watch on that. It's important. It's, it's really important. And um, also let's talk about peer influence for a moment, because right now we're on teens. Um, Peer influence is very, very high in adolescents, and it's very high in individuals that have experienced any kind of vulnerabilities in their life because you want to belong. You don't want people to really understand or even see what has happened to you or is happening to you. But within our teens, peer influence, I mean, just look at, you know, okay, you have teenagers, you said, right? So how many times have they come to you and say, hey, ma? I want a new phone because my friend got a new phone or, Hey ma, you know, my friends are going to this concert, you know, three towns away and right. What's wrong with you, mom? Like I want to go to that concert too. You know, my friends are all going right. They're like asking me, you know, your mom's a cool mom, but how come she's not letting you go to this or, you know, to this party or go off to, um, Uh, to a college tour by themselves instead of you going, you know, to that college tour with them. So adolescents who have friends and also adolescents who have friends that they're suspecting are in some kind of a violent teen dating relationship. um, They are going to step back too, because they don't want to be the ones to ruin this for their friends. Plus a lot of times they don't have the words. 
and they're not really sure, like, what does this look like? Why is this happening? And so, you know, one of the conversations is to really talk about, be open and honest with your youth, you know, with your teens and um, have a conversation with them that, you know, I'm going to love you no matter what, no matter what, and do this on a continuous basis with your teens and let them know, you know what, sometimes I'm a parent first. I'm just going to put this out front. I'm a parent first. So there might be a time you're going to come to me and say something that I might get a little, oh, you know, so I might say, let's take five and practice this continuously and all kinds of stuff. Let's take five. Let's uh, like go in our respective areas, right? Gives you time to breathe and think so that you don't say the wrong thing. And then you can come back together and have a conversation. And I hope you caught what I said. Don't just do it when all of a sudden there's a situation. Start right now today, putting let's take five for so many things, whether it's about, can I go to this party? Whether they're sharing with you, you know, like I'd like to get a tattoo, whatever it might be, start putting this into place now so that when they come to you with something that you're really going to be like, oh my goodness, now what do I do? You already have it established and they don't feel like they did something wrong. You got established. Mm-hmm. Got established early. Yeah. And I think too, having those open conversations is big because I could definitely see as you're a teenager and you're seeing your friend go through a relationship and maybe they're seeing that these changes in their friend and that maybe one of the partners is controlling the other one. That's got to be a really difficult conversation Mm -hmm. to have because one, you don't want to cause drama. You don't want to be accused of saying something that's not true. And most of all, they're your friends. You don't want to lose your friend. And I can see where, I mean, it, it takes a lot of bravery for a teenager to say something mm-hmm. to another yeah. teenager. Yeah. And to their parents, you know, really, to, or to anyone, to their guidance counselor. You know, people say, well, why don't they just go to, you know, schools have guidance counselors and all these other kinds of things to help the kids. Yeah, they do. But if a child, forget if an individual does not have the words to be able to go out and say what is happening to them, how are they going to do that? And then if there's this fear of retaliation against them or their family or their friends, they don't want this to happen to their family or friends. So they're going to keep silent. You know, what are some of the things that let's say that we are seeing that we're in a relationship that might not be really good. Maybe we're starting to reflect that maybe I am changing. Our friends have told us that we're changing. Maybe I am changing. What do you do? Well, I mean, I always suggest that you call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I mean, if you are, but I mean, that could be maybe a little too premature depending on the situation. Um, That's a tough one because you might be starting to see it But if in fact, this individual has all of a sudden started helping you, you know, and there is that economic control that is going on, you know, financial control, and you're like, well, I can't afford to live in this place by myself. That means the kids and I have to leave and go sleep in our car or try to find if there's a shelter open and with COVID. Yeah, but I think it's it's interesting that you said start reaching out because I'm sure those hotlines are prepared that they can see if it's really or at least give you some guidelines 
that, you know, your best friend that works with you at your job might not know. So I think it is important that they are reaching out for yeah. help. And, and also understand that the hotlines, um, for those of you that, that are potential victims or are being victimized, um, they also, if you happen to go online and you're like checking them out online, they do have an instant exit and you cannot track it on your computer. So do know that. So there are safety measures that have been put in to a lot of the, so the national, especially the national hotlines. Um, and let's go ahead really quickly since we're talking about this and give them that hotline number. So this is gonna be for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And it's 1-800-799-SAFE. So 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 7233. That's awesome. And I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. And I can say that I was on that website before and you can hit the escape key twice and it does close out the window. It was pretty amazing. Um, So I'm glad they put that in place because, yeah, I mean, if you got to close a window real fast and it doesn't work for any other tabs it only works for their tab right um but it was it was definitely interesting so i'm glad you went ahead and gave that resource for us yeah and one of the things i also wanted to talk about is you know if we have a friend Mm -hmm. that's going through that and we aren't sure how to approach them I know we talked about the kids on, you know, take the five. And I love that idea with when it comes to kids. But how can we maybe have that conversation with an adult friend? Well, if they're in fact a friend, you know, um, or even a colleague, you know, you could you could attempt. And when I say attempt, because there's a fear factor here. So you could attempt to say, hey, let's go out and have coffee or, you know, lunch, you know, during work so that there's not, you know, a. Uh, it doesn't take away from home life. Right. Um, and just, you know, just check in, share a little bit about yourself. Hey, you know, like with everything that's been going on, like the last 18 months, you know, sometimes I find myself, um, you know, not really wanting to interact with people as much and, you know, maybe staying home a little bit more and, you know, um, and then just kind of bring it into the conversation, just kind of checking in, you know, how's everything going with you? Like, how are you dealing with all of this stuff? How are the kids dealing, you know, with all of this? What's, what's going on with you? But try to get as much information from them as you can. And remember, they're, they're probably going to say, oh, I'm fine. Or it is what it is. Or, you know, you know, there's stuff going on. You know, you're my best friend. You know, I come to you. I tell you everything. What's going on? Then remind them. There's the National Human Trafficking Hotline number. Or can I, how can I assist you? Can I make that phone call with you? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things, one of the things that victims are very, very fearful of is a lot of them have tried several times to leave. Okay. And in that leaving um, and have been caught, right. Then the escalation of abuse. So there's a rise in the escalation of abuse. And so having someone saying, okay, let's put a little bit of a plan together. How about every time you come to work, just bring it one outfit of yours and each one of your kids, like where it's not noticeable, let's start putting a safety plan together, right. So that it's not noticeable. And then when you are ready, you at least have a little bit over here put away. 
And when you're ready, it can, and then put the whole plan of action together. We don't want to give it all away because we honestly don't know who's listening. So we don't want to give all the details away, right? But you kind of get the gist, you know, of, of what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And I am so glad we had this conversation. And I know you do a lot of work when it comes to victims and survivor. I know you're an expert in human trafficking. And I just want you to have this opportunity to talk to them a little bit about your organization and what you do. Sure. Well, thank you. And thank you again, Laura, for having us on today. And and the reason that we said, yes, we will do this because we do focus more at victims to survivors on sex trafficking. Um, However, because I am a survivor of domestic violence also, um, and several years of sexual abuse and uh, and sex trafficking, um, there's this intersection There was an intersection with domestic violence and sex trafficking. And so it was an honor to be able to come on and have a conversation. And so, but Victim to Survivors, we are a survivor-led organization. We're an anti-sex trafficking organization. We are um, a social injustice, you know, so we also do um, a lot of advocacy. And uh, in with that, we offer what we call complete wraparound services. So if someone comes to us, and says, you know, I am a victim of X, Y, and Z, we are a resource and we will put them in contact with other agencies that that is their um, specialty. You know, so we're kind of, we're the connectors, we're the bridge that fills that gap. Um, And then, you know, we do a lot of fundraising so that, uh, for instance, before this, I have a survivor that reached out and needed a hotel. And um, so I'm like connecting with other resources of who can, we could do one or two nights, we could not do an entire week. Um, And then we also run a lot of national initiatives. And so one of the national initiatives that we have is called Get Help, Get Out. It's a posted note initiative. It's literally these little posted notes in English and in Spanish. We tell you to plot before you squat. Um, because one of the only places that I could go as a um, as a victim at the time was in a bathroom in the bathroom stall. So it has the National Human Trafficking Hotline number on it. And um, it's just an easy way for you to be proactive as an individual rather than being reactive. So people want something tangible to do. So this is a great way to do that. Oh, that is awesome. And I I love that idea. And I think we've had this conversation before. I do a lot of RVing (laughs) and we've seen a lot of signs in restrooms and it was surprising because I never had any idea. So I want to thank you for raising that attention to that and coming on here and talking to us about some of the signs that we can do as people dating, as people in you know, relationships, or even if we have teens that are going to be dating and things like that. So I think it's really good to highlight this. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You are welcome. Thank you. Thanks everybody for joining the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you need help, please call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org. See the notes in the show notes. I hope you guys have a good week. And as always, don't forget to eat your effing veggies. I'll talk to you all next week.